630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, how's it going? World Series starts tonight. We will keep you updated. It's game one between the Rays and the Dodgers later on. Excited to be joined by Jesse Agler. He's the play-by-play voice for the San Diego Padres. It'll be good to talk to him. If you would like to talk or type, you can. By using the same phone number, 780-496-0063 is the open line number, and it is also the text line number if you have anything for old Wilkie tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on Oilers and EE Radio 630. Chad, Dave Tippett, the head coach of your Edmonton Oilers, was on with Bob Stoffer earlier today on Oilers Now. We'll get to some of his key comments, and of course, if you would like to hear the entire interview, you can go to 630Ched.com or get Bob's podcast from iTunes or where all those wonderful places that have podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts, uh, cucumber podcasts, tomato podcasts, any fruit or vegetable, type it in, then the word podcast, and you'll find Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Okay, so the, the World Series getting underway, and I, I've said it a few times, I'm definitely not a, as into uh, baseball, I think, in terms of just being a spectator as I was, uh, you know, maybe – 15 to 30 years ago certainly in the 80s uh the expos were better than the blue jays in the first part of that decade used to watch the expos on wednesday night baseball on cbc the blue jays were on ctv they'd usually be on on the weekend and then the blue jays in 85 went to the playoffs had that collapse in 87 where they should have gone to the playoffs a couple more postseason appearances and then obviously the 92 and 93 world series which remain a high point for baseball fans uh in this country or at least blue jays fans regardless of where you are so i I was thinking today and and you can participate in a uh, true form of democracy a twitter poll there is nothing more definitive than a poll on twitter in terms of how people think or feel excluding the final out in 1992 and joe carter's home run in 1993 because those were the moments where you know, they clinched the first one, and then Carter's home run is one of the most epic moments ever. What is your favorite Blue Jays World Series moments? Now, I know I probably missed some. I, I had to limit it to four choices, so I tried to kind of go with the first things that came, that came to my mind. Oh, already a few people have voted. So I two of them are from the same game, and that is from 1993, and perhaps the most memorable baseball game that I have ever watched front to back. There have obviously been some great games along the way. I think back to the 2001 world series with the the diamondbacks and the Yankees. And what was it? Two games in a row. The, uh, the Yankees tied it in the bottom of the ninth and then won an extra innings. Then game seven comes down to uh to bases loaded with a single off Mariana Rivera, who hardly let anybody on base, let alone giving up a run. So many great moments. But game four in 1993, and I'm sure some of you already know what I'm talking about. If if not, I'm just going to say the final score, and then you'll remember the game. That's the game the Blue Jays won (laughs) 15-14. That was the final score of the game, 15-14. So a couple of moments from that. Now, it was in Philadelphia. So it was in the National League ballpark. So the pitchers were batting. And that means Todd Stottlemyre, who was the Blue Jays pitcher, had to bat. And he was trying to advance to third base and came up with one of the most awkward slides that you'll ever see, which reminds you how, as an American League pitcher, that 
you you wouldn't run the bases. I mean, as an American League pitcher, you don't even expect to get on base, but he was actually running the bases. And Stottlemyre, just this incredible face-first slide into the bag and came up with this big, scrape, bloody chin and uh, and just a wild game. And that was the one. It looked like the Blue Jays maybe weren't going to do it. After seven innings, they were down 14-9, and they got six runs in the top of the eighth. Just an absolutely epic inning. They won the game 15-14. And it, uh, it gave them a 3-1 series lead. Philadelphia did win game five, went back to Toronto game six, and that's where Carter hit the home run. So two of my choices, and again, you're welcome to cast right in votes, two of my four choices for most uh, for your favorite Blue Jays World Series moment, the Stottlemyre bloody chin in game four in 1993, and obviously the six-run eighth in game four in 1993. Then I went with two choices from 1992. The Blue Jays' first win in the World Series. Game two, 1992. Now, they'd lost the first game 3-1. And they're trailing the second game 4-3, going to the ninth, facing Jeff Reardon, the closer for the Atlanta Braves, who used to be a Montreal Expo. And Derek Bell gets on base, and Ed Sprague comes up to pinch hit. And we actually had Ed Sprague on the show three or four years ago to talk about this moment. Ed Sprague drills a home run. Blue Jays go up 5-4, and they uh, and they win the series 5-4. And then the other moment I have on there, I, I, I'm sure you'll remember this if you saw it. Remember the triple play that wasn't? It should have been a triple play in uh, in game three in... 1992 Devon white made an outstanding catch of a, of a deep fly to center field by David justice. Terry Pendleton was running the bases and he wasn't kind of paying attention. And he ran past Deion Sanders, who was ahead of him on the base paths. So he's automatically called out. Dion is standing between second and third. They get the ball into Kelly Gruber, who chases Sanders back to second base. And you remember Gruber diving with his glove out, and he appeared to tag Sanders probably on the back of the heel. Sanders gets back to second base, and he's called safe. And Gruber gets up, holding the ball in his glove. And on the replay, it looks like it looks like Gruber got him. It looks like Gruber got Sanders on the heel before Sanders got back to the base. So should have been a triple play. Wasn't called, but that's one of my choices as well. But several of them, somebody just tweeted me everything that Robbie Alomar did, who obviously uh, was an incredible player. So anyway, there you go. We'll have some fun with that tonight. And still for me, what are we at, 27 and 28 years later, it's still fun to think about those Blue Jays World Series. I know probably some of you are not of uh, of a certain age to uh, to remember them, but it was a fun time watching those games. The series is underway now uh, tonight. First batter, first batter of the first game, and we'll keep you updated as that one goes along. Okay, uh, Dave Tippett, the head coach of your Edmonton Oilers, was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. They hit on a variety of topics relevant to the Oilers as they move through this uncertain offseason. Free agency from almost two weeks ago. Dave Tippett about adding Kyle Turris. I do. What we're looking for is, uh, you know, the NHL is really, I think it's gone to 
almost a top nine forwards and then a, a, a role play in fourth line, whether it's an energy line or penalty killers or whatever. And we were kind of, you know, top six and bottom six last year. This, uh, with bringing in Kyle and with the addition of uh, Pooley Arby, I think, coming in, uh, we'll get to where we have feel a lot more comfortable with a top nine in offensive situations and five-on-five situations. And you're... Um, you know, we've got some real good penalty killers between uh, JJ and and Archie. Uh, you know, that can can play those role role positions. But just having a top nine and and the centerman is really the key to that, and because he can drive a line. I had uh, tourists as a young player in Arizona, and then uh, had him in in uh, World Championships in Belarus about four or five years ago, and he played in the exact role that I envision him playing in with our team in that tournament. And he was excellent. We used him as a veteran centerman, face-offs on the right side, and he added some offense. But he also was a real, real smart player in all situations. When we talked to him, uh, I had a chance to talk to him before we signed him. Those are the things we talked about. And he was very enthused about the opportunity to play in Edmonton and uh, thinks our team is one of the ones that are moving forward so he's excited to come his family's excited to come to Edmonton and I think we'll get a real good player out of him so Dave Tippett says there it's not just top six and bottom six you need a you need a top top nine now you know the Oilers in in recent seasons they've they've struggled to even put together a good top six and and really they haven't had a very productive third line I think there were a lot of nights last year where you weren't really sure who the third and fourth line was it was kind of like they had a couple of fourth lines so they're hoping tourists can add in that area I think if he comes in and and even is productive enough around the level that he was in Nashville that's still going to boost that line for the Oilers and and maybe Jesse Pugliarvi comes in and gives a spark there as well the Oilers had incredible special teams last year one of the best power plays in league history and after being near the bottom in penalty killing for two years they were all of a sudden the second best penalty killing unit in the league I think coaching made a difference I think somebody like Riley Sheehan coming in made a difference as well well it doesn't look like Shane's going to be back so uh, what about tourists killing penalties tip yeah he didn't do much in Nashville at all he used to uh, more in in uh, Ottawa but uh, and when I had him in the world championships he was uh, he was a good penalty killer for us. so uh, situational stuff has um, you know he just hasn't been put in that situation but that's something that we're going to rely on he'll um, you know, I see him touching both sides of special team, and uh, our power play was really good. I don't, you know, anticipate a lot of changes in that uh, in the forward positions. But but we needed a a second unit, a centerman on a second unit coming out. We'll, um, you know, I think a second unit will get more time if you have a legitimate centerman coming out of it. And when you have a power play like ours that stays, you know, a minute thirty, sometimes minute forty, sometimes depending on if they have they have so much zone time they're in there a long time your next line coming out it has the ability to be a second power play unit but if they don't get a lot of time it ends up being you need a line on the ice that can be ready for the other team's top line coming out and those are things that uh, the tourists can do so he's going to be a nice fit for us all right so and bob and i talked about this a few days ago as well maybe the orders actually have a legitimate second power play unit too with tourists and maybe Yamamoto and maybe uh, Ethan Bear, Darnell Nurse on the blue line, maybe Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, look, I watched every second of Oilers hockey last year. I, I would struggle to tell you who the second power play unit was. It was because 
either they wouldn't play or they would get on for 20 seconds or it would change every time. So a, a lot of hopes around what tourists can bring. We're obviously several weeks from actually seeing him on the ice with the Edmonton Oilers, but I do think there's strength at that position that they haven't had in a long time. 780-496-0063 for you to reach out. More from Tip. Joaquin Gage is coming up. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Joaquin Gage coming up between 6.30 and 7. We'll talk some goaltending with him, and I believe Michael on line one wants to talk about some goaltending right now. Michael, what's going on today? Hey, Reed, how's it going? Quite well. Uh, yeah, last time I called in, uh, you asked me about goaltending there. Like, it was a while ago now, but uh, when uh, Mike Smith started game one there in the playoffs, like, bad choice, I thought. Um I just was wondering, like, uh, when, when Tippett was on today, he was talking about goaltending and Smith, and I don't know. I, I hope they they change their goaltending, the, the amount of games they play. Like, Koskinen, you, you pay him, uh, like, starting goaltender wage. Like, hopefully he, he plays starting goaltender amounts of games. Like, maybe throw Smith in the odd time to give Koskinen a break, but... If Smith has a good game, wins a game for you, okay, that's good. He's a backup. That's what he's supposed to do. Give your other goaltender a break, but don't don't put him in for two games. Like just put him in, give Costin in a break, and then put Costin in back in. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they got to mix things up. Otherwise, I don't know. I think it's going to be the same. We're going to be in the same boat again. Well, I think, Michael, I think you make a good point, and, and, and I'm going to play that uh, when Joaquin's on. The tip made no secret of the fact that they were looking around for a younger goalie, and even during Smith's interview, he said he understood that they were looking for another goalie. I think yeah. if they play 60 games this season, I think Koskinen has to probably start 38 or 40, and it's 20 or 22 for Smith. Okay, well, I guess so, I guess I have to see what happens, but... Because, uh, I mean, I go back to that game one in the playoffs there. Like, Darnell Nurse was sitting in the penalty box. They got scored on on the power play. And you can just read, uh, you can just read, uh, just, uh, I'm on Bluetooth, but I just had to slow down for a deer. Uh, okay, good. Um, there was, uh, when you read Darnell's uh, Nurse's lips when they got scored on, like, he, he says something like, really? Like, he was just downhearted that Smith let that goal in. Like, I don't know. To me, it seems like they don't, or Nurse anyway, didn't have a lot of confidence in Smith's abilities. Well, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, I mean, I think the players liked Smith, and, I, and I, I didn't think they were uncomfortable with him in net, but then clearly, I mean, the Oilers got outplayed, and plus they, they didn't get enough saves. I, look, here's the thing for me, Michael. I think that the goaltending is good enough to get them into the postseason again. I really think that the Oilers are now hopefully going to be evaluated by what they can do in the postseason. Because I know I know what's going to happen next season after games. If they win, you know, five out of their first seven, 
What are Rob and I going to hear after games? Yeah, big deal. They started well last year, and then they crapped out against Chicago. So the, the goaltending is part of that. Is one of these guys good enough to, to be a number one goalie for two months against the other 16 best goalies in the NHL? I'm not sure that they have that type of goaltending right now. Yeah, true enough. Uh, and then another thing, too, uh, last time uh, we talked, I asked you to ask Kelly Rudy about can he catch a baseball? I, I forgot to ask him that. I'll have to yeah, do it next right. time. Sorry, man. Okay, uh, okay. one more thing, hey. if you don't mind. Uh, you're sure. having the play-by-play guy on for the for the uh, Padres, San yeah, Diego the Padres. Padres. Okay. Anyways, I've, I've had a beef about it before, but uh, the way they televise baseball games, can you ask that guy? Does he like watching baseball on TV, or would he sooner watch it live? Okay, I'm joining that down. I'll try to get that. Okay. You know. Okay. Thanks, Michael. All right, that was Michael. A lot of good content there. 780-496-0063. This texter says, anybody that continues to blame goaltending for the loss to the Hawks knows nothing about hockey. Uh, Well, it wasn't the only reason they lost, but it didn't help. Let me put it that way. No score, bottom of the first. Tampa Bay and the Dodgers. Joaquin Gage coming up inside sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. World Series is underway. We're through an inning. Nobody has scored. An hour from now, we'll have San Diego Padres play-by-play voice Jesse Agler on the show. Going to be good to talk to him. The uh, coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Bob Stoffer, or pardon me, he wishes, eh? The coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Dave Tippett, was on with Bob Stoffer earlier today. And Tippett commented on coming back with the same goaltending duo. Well, our, you know, Ken and, and all our staff, we did a lot of due diligence on goaltending out there, and there's uh, there was a lot of guys available. Um, you know, we did lots of talking between uh, uh, us and, and lots of different parties around the league, and that's an area that, that we thought if we could find a, um, somebody younger that would... Uh, uh, go with Kostinen. Uh, that's an option we would look at if the right person came along. That right person wasn't out there, and uh, so we went with a guy that we knew. And really, if you look at it, our goaltending during the regular season was was okay. It wasn't a, that wasn't a detriment to what we were trying to do. We need to be a better defending team, five on five, in front of those goaltenders, and uh, and not leaving. Uh, on their own as much. If we do that, they'll be they'll be better goaltenders. But Schmidt, we looked at a lot of different guys that would fit that role, and uh, we decided to go back with the guy that we knew. He wanted to come back and and really prove that uh, he can still play. And the tandem of, of Koskinen and, and Smith is. Kospinen is a quiet, very reserved guy, just goes about his business. Schmidt has got some fire, and our dressing room needs some fire. He goes in there, whether he's playing or not, he's uh, he's one of those veterans that come in the room, and he'll hold people accountable, whether it's himself or other people. So I like that little bit of fire, and 
So, like I say, we looked at a lot of different options. We decided to go back when uh, uh, when all was said and done. We went back to the two guys we have, and we think that they're going to be a good tandem for us. But we think we can play better defensive hockey in front of them also. All right, a lot to chew on, I think, and we're going to dive into that. And other topics with former Oilers goaltender, uh, played in Europe for several years, the one and only Joaquin Gage. Joaquin, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, who canceled? <laughs> well, we, yeah, we were, we were actually, I was talking about the Blue Jays earlier. We had the entire 1993 Blue Jays set up for the show, oh. and then they all simultaneously canceled at about 6.15. That's usually what it takes. <laughs> hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday, man. Oh, you're, thanks. You're, Thank you. You're not quite Thank old enough to remember the Blue Jays yeah. winning those World Series, eh? Oh, no. I, re- I distinctly remember I was playing, I was 20, uh, playing in Prince Albert, watching the game in my room uh, with uh, Carter hitting that dinger. Oh, nice. And did you go nuts? Um. Uh, reserved, yes, but there. I think I, I gave out a shout when when he hit that. That was a uh, that was pretty cool off the wild thing. That, playoff baseball. I, I I'm not a huge baseball fan, but um, when playoffs roll around and you start to to see the the kind of strategy of it all, and you start to learn the pitchers and the, and the batters because you're you're a lot more engaged than, than I think in the in the normal regular season. So it's uh, it's fun to watch. Well, I, I, I'm with you there. Playoff baseball is can be pretty special. The, the tension and how a series could change on a single pitch or a single swing or a single error. I'm going to say this, though, Joaquin. We're in this universe now where there are no fans at games or very few fans at games. Some NFL teams might have a, you know, a quarter of a stadium or you know, 15,000 fans or whatever, which, which is pretty spread out in those football stadiums. I think of all the sports now that I've, I've seen some NBA, some baseball, some NFL, and uh, obviously some hockey. I think I miss the fans the most in baseball because you don't get that chance. You don't kind of get that constant nervous hubbub when it's a key moment. And it's, I mean, they're just showing it now. They're cutting away to some people watching the game, but there's hardly anybody at this game. I mean, they, they always find that nervous guy in the stands with his hoodie pulled up over his eyes right or the or the or the little kid that's that's just too nervous to even watch i miss all those cutaways watching playoff baseball that that i I never thought i would have even noticed that that was gone yeah i think that's the only sport that you can really do that with um televising because yeah there's so many moments in between pitches the getting up in the count and everyone starts clapping and standing on their feet and the and the rise of the crowd that's uh when you get 60,000 people standing and and cheering, I'm that would uh, that would definitely get the blood flowing. I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, this should be an entertaining series to, to watch anyway. I mean, two teams that were were pretty good during the regular season. Joaquin Gage joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, we just played that comment from Dave Tippett, and there are some key points in there. I think we want to talk about and. Mike Smith said it the day he signed, which was over 24 hours into free agency, that he knew the Oilers were going to shop around. 
He knew that he said Ken Holland was doing his job. Dave Tippett said it today. Well, we looked for a younger guy, and we didn't get anybody. I mean, I mean, is that yeah? Is that idea? Even if Smith accepts that, is that ideally what you want to hear and the message you want to convey to the team and the fan base? Or how do you read this that they're bringing the same two guys back? Oh, there's there's so many things that I've thought about through this read. With a uh, good question, by the way. Thanks. Thanks for putting me on the spot with this one. Um, I, uh, I, hearing Tippett say that they wanted to go younger, I completely understand that and have hopefully someone in the system. Being a, a bubble goalie, I guess, um, not that I played in a bubble, but I was on the bubble usually while I played with the Oilers. Um, and that's tough for, for the younger guys that in the system – um, you see them not re-signing Smith, and you might see that door open for yourself, right? Like, everyone's just asking for a chance to play. So that's that's tough for the guys in the minors. Uh, it's a, a little discouraging. I can I can definitely speak from experience when, when the team goes and shops and gets and brings back someone back or goes to look to someone else. That's that's tough for the confidence. That's gonna that's gonna build a lot of character with with the Oilers goalies that are in the system right now. Um, I was partial to, I was hoping Braden Hopi was kind of in on their radar. I know it was, it probably wasn't going to happen just with the cap situation. Um, I've, I've always been a big fan. I loved when, when he won that cup, there were so many different spots where as a goalie, I saw him I, in the final game, um, when he sprays the water bottle, he tracks it with his eyes, and I could I could read his lips. He was saying, "It's my time, it's my time," and he was obviously referring to winning a cup. Um, having everyone talks about experience of of players who have won Stanley Cups and been in that situation. I think it's it's so important to have that type of experience, especially with a with your goalie. Um, and you heard Tippett talk about all those intangibles with, with Mike Smith holding guys accountable, a little bit more fire that's that's more required in the dressing room. So I think that there's a lot of things that we don't see as fans um, with bringing back Mike Smith that, that does make the team better. And I know everyone's a little bit upset, but... Then you got to, like you said, you got to remember that these are the two guys that that brought you to the dance. Yeah, we kind of we had two left shoes on at the dance, but and we you just need one of them to get hot. We need to get to make the playoffs and win that last game of the year, and we just need one of those guys to establish themselves as as a guy that could win the con Smythe as going forward once they get the playoffs. Because really, that's any goalie, you look at the, the playoffs this year, every goalie that's on a team that went far in the playoffs, he was considered probably for, could have been considered for the Conspite. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's very it's very rare that a, a goalie who makes the Stanley Cup final isn't at least in the top three or five for the Smythe. Tip touched on Koskinen's quiet. Smith is a little more outgoing how from your experience how much of a difference can that dynamic make in in the locker room do you need some chatterboxes and some outgoing yappy guys on the team mixed in with some quieter guys like one thing that i know i kind of laugh at sometimes sometimes joaquin is that old phrase well he's good in the room 
And I'm thinking, yeah, if he's crappy on the ice, what difference does it make? But, you know, well, Tip touched on the different personalities there. I was great in the room, Reed. So <laughs> you can ask Mac T. He's told me I was great in the room. But um, he, uh, no, I, it, it is important. I think that's been a that's been a missing piece since we uh, we unfortunately lost Matt Hendricks. I was I was he was what a great guy. I, I was I met him a few times um, with uh, with Kelly Buckberger and and talking to both of them over over a few beverages and Matt Hendricks is just such a solid individual you know and I I never even played with him I just I found myself listening to him talk just at a local establishment and going man this guy really and I remember he uh he had he went to the bathroom at one point I asked I asked Kelly Buckler about him and and Bucky you know he's a Bucky was a great captain he goes oh this guy is just I he's an unbelievable person and unbelievable for for a team to have and i think we've been missing that uh like i said that piece it's uh and maybe mike smith brings that a little bit it's it's tough as a goalie i i know it took me a while to be a little more vocal in the room in between when i felt like it was my job to say something just because i had had more experience than than other players throughout my career on different teams but it's it's tough for a goalie because I mean, if you let one in from the red line, but then you tell everybody to pick up their play, that's it's, it's not it's, it's it's tough sometimes. But um, yeah, it, it's weird to have a goalie in in that situation. But I think Mike Smith he's a, he's already established himself as that presence as that guy. So um, I don't think he would be ruffling too many feathers with. Uh, with what he says and how he how he carries himself in the dressing room. Joaquin Gage joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former Oilers goaltender and uh, played several years in Europe, and he's told several stories about uh, that part of his life and career on Inside Sports <laughs> over the last couple of years as well. We will we'll we'll save the we will go back to the crazy goalie story every year or two, but not tonight because that's that's, that's okay. Just, uh, okay, well, that's, yeah, that... we got to be on later at night to, for some of those two reasons. <laughs> yeah, for, that's right. We got to be on after midnight <laughs> to, to put, really put the kids to bed, and then we'll. We'll, we'll break open that can of worms. <laughs> to, to really, to, to really uh, delve into those. Tip also talked today about the hopes for Kyle Turris, maybe finally having a, a true third line, and maybe he kills a few penalties, and maybe, uh, I mean, this sounds almost crazy to say, but maybe there's actually a legitimate se- second power play unit for the Oilers at some point. I feel like that's maybe a little out there because the first unit was so good, and, they scored almost a third of the time. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of the the one signing that, I mean, him and Barry coming in, you think, okay, they're going to help. But the Oilers need, they, they need something else. And maybe Turris is that up front where there's somebody else that defenders have to worry about at least a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, always, I, I loved him when he was in Ottawa. I thought he was a phenomenal player. And then, um, unfortunately, going to Nashville, we don't we don't get to see too many <laughs> Nashville games. Or and I just looking at his stats and going, gosh, he really he really fell off. But I think coming here and and who knows, like it's what's going to happen. Like I I think obviously you have Connor with I don't know who he's actually going to really be playing with. I I think one of the big mistakes was not keeping that 
that Leon, Nuge, and Yamamoto together uh, at the start of playoffs. That was that was such a dominant line before COVID hit. Like they were just they were destroying teams, and um, we'll always ask those questions. I'm not a coach, so I don't know the reasons. But um, having that that third guy and maybe taking a little bit off the, the, the other two big dogs. I mean, we, we do have two heart trophy winners, so that's, that's, that's kind of nice. But coming back with tourists and, and who knows where, where he ends up, like right? he, he, can, he can move up and down the lineup. And just, I think, a, another big tool that, that Tip can use, hopefully, when this season starts uh, in a few months. All right, and finally, I just want to get your perspective on it. They they made it through the bubble. They finished the season. Um, look, it's it's it seems pretty universal that players don't want to go back into bubbles. They don't want to go into mini bubbles. <laughs> they, they don't want anything like that. Like, are, are you you're watching this and you played in the NHL? And I mentioned you know being in European leagues and traveling around in different circumstances and different rinks and all that kind of stuff. Different travel schedules. What, do you think they, they're going to have to go all Canadian division or maybe release a partial schedule and then release another one when it gets back? Like, just wondering as, as an ex-player how you're seeing all this shake, shake down and what you would have been comfortable with if you can imagine being in that situation. Well, everyone, the first thing everyone all says is they never felt like their lives were in danger because of the pandemic. They felt so safe that way, right? So it was... It was five stars for the protection of the players, and and that was the I think that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Um, from what I heard was there was a lot of other things that were possibly off offered that never never really came to fruition with with uh, with everything. There was I think um, the standing joke was the. F- People were going to go fly fishing, I think, and and the uh, the <laughs> I think it uh, was referred to as the prison yard uh, after a while, just from the guys that have been there so long. And uh, the standing joke was, "Did you go fly fishing today?" And and obviously, no one ever went fly fishing in between <laughs> in between games. But um, I think it was just a lot of how it was presented and how it turned out wasn't. A lot of players were a little bit upset that uh, some of the amenities that might have been promised didn't uh, weren't there at the time. And I mean, no one's ever done this before, so I, I'm sure they were kind of feeling it out as they went. But I I can't see players agreeing to going into another bubble like that. Um, I, I I do believe that there there should be a Canadian division and and maybe different areas in the u.s and play that way just to keep keep the travel down we i mean you look down south of us and it's it's a it's a tire fire down there with the amount of cases growing i mean if i'm a if i'm a player a canadian player moving to the u.s for the start of the season i'm really i'm i'm worried you know i i that's if i'm going with a young family and i'm worried about their safety so um we have to get this thing under control first before we we think about getting hockey going. We we it's it's the last thing we want to have happen is is a uh, is someone anyone but uh, a player 
someone who works on a team getting sick and 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 maybe not uh, not being able to make it make it through it that would that would be horrible but we have to uh we have to be responsible we have to wear masks and and distance and and make sure that everyone gets out of this with uh with the least amount of life loss as possible Joaquin, well said. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And, hey, nobody canceled, buddy. You are our number one choice to come on tonight. So thanks for talking with us. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it. All those Blue Jays. Sorry, yeah, well, that, we'll, get, we'll get them next week. <laughs> okay. <All laughs> Take right, care, buddy. You have a great night. Thanks. That is Joaquin Gage, former Oilers goaltender, uh, long pro career in Europe as well. Good to catch up with him and uh, good insight there on how he thinks the Oilers goaltending duel can break down whenever we get to the next season. 6.52, quick timeout inside Sports on Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Now into the top of the third, no score between... The Rays and the Dodgers in game one of the World Series will keep you updated. More baseball chat coming up between 7.30 and 8. Jesse Agler is on the show. He's the play-by-play voice of the San Diego Padres. It'll be good to get to know him a little bit. Also, Luke Philp coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Uh, a couple outstanding seasons with the U of A Golden Bears hockey team and now a prospect with the Calgary Flames, played in the American Hockey League last season. It'll be good to visit with him again. Always happy to hear from you, 780 496 Zero zero six three. Uh, Jeff from Kimberly says, "Reed, I thought the Tampa Bay Bucks defense looked awesome against Green Bay. What's your prediction for the Raiders game?" Uh, I, Jeff, I'm going to go with the mild upset there and actually pick the Raiders. They've kind of surprised me this season, but uh, Tampa Bay did look pretty good. But uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, with head coach Chucky in that one. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.